0: Welcome to ASA Abloy's Security Perspectives podcast. Today's complex world, it takes a village to ensure the safety, security, and health of a facility. In each episode, we'll speak with industry experts about their point of view on the latest trends, technologies, and topics impacting the security industry. If you want to broaden your perspective on physical security, this podcast will give you the insight you're looking for. Welcome to another edition of ASA Abloy's Security Perspectives podcast. Joining us today is Jim Crumbly. Jim, welcome. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us today on the yeah. program. So, if you wouldn't mind, uh, as a standard practice, we we you know introduce yourself to the uh, to the audience.
1: Okay. Well, Jim Crumbley, I'm from Atlanta. Uh, I'm a security systems integrator. I began my career in the Marines uh, once I got out. I've started doing some threat mitigation work consulting uh, in the Atlanta area and then regionally and then nationally and then in Europe uh, after 9-11. I spent uh, almost a year going back and forth uh, to Europe consulting over there. When I came back, I really realized I started working as much with the security te- or with technology people as I did with security and I uh, decided to become a security systems integrator focused on technology that would drive the security systems and the uh, enhancements of safety incorporation.
0: Now, is this your business? Yes, it is. Okay. Yep. Now, how many How many people are part of your team or is it individual? Uh, no, we've got 28 people on the
1: team. Uh, it started, I was just myself in 2004. We've grown a lot over the last, uh um, 10 years, and, you know, we really have a focus on K-12, higher education, and municipalities.
0: Okay. What's been, you know, obviously you've got a vast experience, but what's been um, some challenges that you've had to have faced with a very fluid market condition changes and the fast-paced technology? How have you been able to stay ahead of the curve and, and, and still be able to provide the needed solutions to your customers?
1: It's finding good people. So I've been really blessed that to find good people, very early in the business. Uh, that really understand the technology. I mean, honestly, the running joke in the company is I couldn't spell IT if you spotted me the I. But the bottom line is I've got people in the company that understand it, that know how it works, understand networks, network and background. And with my background in consulting and threat mitigation work and investigations, I've become the bridge between, the company has become the bridge between public safety, uh, corporate security, and the uh, IT department, and we're that bridge because we can talk both languages.
0: Okay. Now, you've also had a pretty active role over the last um, several years or even longer with with the PASS organization. Would you mind explaining to the listeners what the PASS organization represents and what the core mission is?
1: All right. Well, PASS is Partnerships Aligned for Safer Schools. We began, um, it was a group of us that was meeting in 2012, 2013 remotely. Uh, Phone call back then was no Zoom. But um, we were meeting and we were trying to come up with a way to help education market, enhance their security. And so we were looking at higher ed and K-12. And we were on a call uh, in early 2014 where we said, look, this isn't working. We've got to divide it up between higher education and K-12 through two different things platforms. And we uh, set up a meeting in the Atlanta area and decided that what we would do, much like the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which I was a part of when we wrote the guidelines, if you've had a child in any hospital in the country, um, the security guy or the security setup for those nurseries are driven by guidelines that were written back in the mid-1990s um, related to security inside that nursery. And we said, well, if we did it for the National Center and for hospitals, we could do it for the K-12 market.
0: Yeah, that's great. To provide a little bit more context with, um, you know, the upcoming PASS revision six right. release of those guidelines, could you elaborate a little bit for the audience about that process that, that we went through and, and, and what that's gonna mean for K-12 school districts?
1: All right. Well, what we tried to do, you know, is anything that grows and evolves over the years, sometimes it be- can become almost cumbersome in how it's written. You know, and we took a look at it and said, wait a minute, we're not architects, our avatar, our market audience. Are the principal, the school administrators, sit behind a desk, and they're responsible for these kids' safety. They're responsible for maintaining discipline in the schools. They've got tons of pressure by parents and by school boards and by the media. What are you going to do to safeguard our children? We wanted to have. We decided that we wanted to simplify the measures, so that they could sit down and really go through uh, a process for evaluating their security evaluating where they stood uh, today and have a pathway to enhance the security over the next couple of years, Mm -hmm. but with some immediate measures they can take now with minimal funding.
0: Correct. Yeah, and and the the different tiers that are involved in the past guidelines allow them to at least have a benchmark to try to to move their organizations towards a, a better level of security. And obviously access control you know, plays a, a significant part in that, both electronic as, as well as mechanical. And so there, I know there were some recent adjustments to that and the, the shifting of the tiers and, you know, more focus on, on perimeter lockdown and security, securing the doors. Obviously, there's been a lot of unfortunate incidents in the market that continue to keep happening. And I know we're, you know, as an Aston Abil-A representative, we're passionate about school safety and security. And obviously, with you being part of the PASS guidelines, what advice do you have for institutions out there that are struggling to find funding to do what they need to do. What kind of advice do you have for them? If they had one thing they could do to secure their facilities, what should it be?
1: All right. And I don't want to appear self-serving, so I do want to say PASS, we're a nonprofit. Uh, We are all volunteers. None of us are selling anything. So now that said, I will say they need to use the PASS guidelines because what we're hearing hearing from school districts is that when they go and apply for grants, if they bring up the PASS guidelines and say PASS recommends that if we want to go from a Tier 1 to a Tier 3, we need to do certain measures, then um, they can use that to justify the need for the grant. Uh, and uh, be able to, to obtain uh, the funding for it. Additionally, what we're also finding is that school districts that are doing bond referendums and they're a part of that's facility improvements, which can also can be uh, security related, then what they can do is that they can use the past guidelines to communicate to the voters the importance of what they're trying to accomplish. And it's not just somebody's opinion. These are national experts on this group that's written the guidelines, and schools can use them to justify and uh, the funding and to also communicate, like I said, to the voters and get them to vote for it and uh, enhance the safety of the kids.
0: Now, with your level of experience and where these guidelines are going, do you ever foresee the guidelines becoming code, much like you can't build certain facilities without life safety measures. You know, why today do we still not have some of the basic level of security at the classroom level, perimeter level? Why hasn't that been adopted as this must be the way that you build a facility? Do you foresee that happening?
1: Yeah, it, look, that's a great question, and I think the bottom line is is that um, each state. Um, the federal government supplies a certain percentage of funding in the schools. They give that money to the states, and the states take that money, and typically they provide the funding but control to the local environment, the local school districts, the local boards. All of that is good in a lot of different ways, but really it creates an environment from a safety perspective that it's it's difficult to establish standards that everyone can agree with. So I do personally think it's important is that to create a national type of a standard that's it's not really whether someone agrees or disagrees, it's, it's having a standard that everyone can implement and by the tiered approach, they can implement these standards based upon their local needs and local funding so and that's the long way to say yes absolutely there needs to be a standard we need to figure out a way to get this into a code and we firmly believe that pass is a foundation for that that can happen hopefully over the next five to six, seven years. But it's gonna take the politicians um, putting skin in the game, putting the reputation in the game, and um, getting involved and um, figuring out a way to enhance safety for our kids and the staff members that are inside these schools.
0: For, th- for those listening to the program that may be involved in a K through 12 facility that may not be aware of the past guidelines, especially the revision six, How would they access that?
1: Uh, You go to passk12.org and you click a button, you can download it. The guidelines are free. There's no cost. There's no obligation to anything. Once you put in your information, uh, you will get emails that that have our white papers or we're developing toolkits that help with the uh, uh, design and installation process. But no one's going to be emailing you, trying to sell you something. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're all volunteers again, and we're fully committed to not have personal gain out of this. Our goal is to help that poor administrator sit behind the desk trying to figure out what to do. We want to give them the information in order to do it, and we firmly believe that the past guidelines is a great tool for that.
0: Yeah, and, and having been a part of some of those discussions with, with Jim, it's been a, the amount of work and dedication and passion that you all have, as well as our organization, for the life safety and protection of, of students and staff and faculty is is as high as it's going it's going to be right and so i think all of us collectively that whole better together theme Uh, at the summit that we've participated in this week is is really key and I think all of us taking that local message down to our local school districts is is really the name of the game and continuing to try to influence the best we can at that at that local level so really appreciate I just want to thank you here on the air about for your your passion because I know it is a you know you volunteer your time to do this while you're also running a business so thank you Jim for for doing that. So as uh, also as part of the program, we like to have a little bit lighter feel to uh, okay. to, to this, but uh, I know you mentioned a little bit about where you were from and your background, but wouldn't you mind telling everybody where you went to school? Uh, the
1: school of hard knocks, buddy. That is basically <laughs> it. I've got, I've got eighteen months of college uh, after I got out, uh, and uh, it really it just wasn't for me, uh, and um, so I, I decided to go to work. I started getting into law enforcement, was doing that for, or I did, never did law enforcement, but I was applying, and then I decided to go the corporate route, and instead, um, okay. but yeah, uh, no college but some college experiences.
0: Okay, yeah. Well, speaking of that, uh, without getting into too much detail, what was your favorite 2 a.m. snack, if I don't mind me asking?
1: Waffle House, buddy. Waffle House. There is no doubt about it. I'd go, uh, you know, uh, you can tell by my. By uh, my accent, University of Georgia is my favorite football team. Okay, And I'd go to Athens with buddies that were in school. And 2 a.m., man, we were headed of 2 a.m. to 445. Never later in 445 <laughs> because, you know, I do have some standards that I set for my life. <laughs> yeah, but, nice. yeah, Waffle House is it, buddy.
0: All right. So That's a good plug for Waffle House. Oh, then. All nice. right. So uh, outside of what you're doing now, I mean, obviously this has been a big, big part of your life and continues to be. If you weren't doing this and being such an advocate for K twelve safety and security, what would be your dream job?
1: A rancher. I'd be a cowboy man. I'd, I'd, I'd that that would be the dream. Okay. I want to ranch. I want to have a tractor. I just I want to be a gentleman farmer. I don't want the pressure so uh, of having to bring in the crop and and getting. But yeah, I'd love it. I'd love to to have the cows and. And make it happen.
0: All right, that's awesome.
1: <laughs> My wife won't do it, though. She right. says, no way.
0: Well, you, you got to respect that. So. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, you've got to. Yeah, exactly. Me. Exactly. I still want to be a cowboy.
0: Okay, all right. I, who doesn't, right? Yeah, so. really. <laughs> well, in, in, in closing, Jim, what advice do you have uh, for your peers or just people in the industry starting out in terms of, you know, trying to be an advocate for for better security and safety across the number of different markets that that we're involved in and you're involved in. What advice do you have for for people to start now?
1: Make your voice heard. That's the biggest thing. If we don't start making our voice heard and demanding that we do some things to uh, safeguard our kids, safeguard our future, And I don't know, everyone loves the kids. I mean, there's no doubt about that. No matter what political aisle you sit on, no matter what you're involved in, uh, everyone loves the kids. And we all want to keep them safe, but you've got to be willing to put skin in the game. And that's only going to happen when the industry makes their voice heard. Not selling the product, mm. not selling their solution because there's junk on the market, but uh, making your voice heard and educate. So for those of us in the industry, education to these uh, to the school districts and other school board members is really important. And for those that are not in the industry, parents and, and concerned uh, community leaders and others, we, we got to start demanding some changes Uh, and how we safeguard the kids and how we fund schools and make this a priority. Um, Those are things we can control. There's so much we can't, uh, and there's so much that's going on in our culture, uh, and I can't get involved in that because I can't control it. But what I can control is how passionate and how verbal I am in helping people understand what they can do to safeguard our kids sure. that's my grandkids your kids yeah. it's important
0: yeah i mean i have um you know elementary age kid you know age kids now and it's i know it's something that's near and dear to me is just making sure the the people that have the ability to you know produce that change are aware of the things they need to be doing and and we're all in this together as a as a society really right i mean at this at this point and i think getting this message out i'm hoping this will be one of the most uh viewed podcast series because i think collectively as a as as a group i think we all are better together and um able to secure our our schools so well jim thank you for your time and insights today it's been really great having you on the program and uh we look forward to the next episode
1: Bye.